Support for the show comes from Indeed. If you need to hire, you may need Indeed. Indeed is a matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There's this stereotype about startup founders. I'm sure you've heard it before. Some young white dude who dropped out of college talking about disrupting this or uberizing that. Well, today's founder is the complete and polar opposite. Tiffany Dufu has spent her entire career helping other women excel at life, especially women of color like herself. She wrote a book about it. She ran a nonprofit. And now she's taking everything she learned from a lifetime of helping women and turning it into a startup of her own. But on the pitch today, a question arises. Can Tiffany's mission be the money-printing machine these investors are looking for? From Gimlet, this is The Pitch. I'm Josh Muccio. Today's investors are... I'm Jenny Fielding. Jenny is the director of Techstars NYC and a prolific angel investor. She's backed over 130 startups so far. I'm Elizabeth Yin. Elizabeth is a managing partner at Hustle Fund, and so far, she's invested $30 million in over 250 startups. One example, NerdWallet. I'm David Goldberg. David is a general partner at Corage Ventures, where they've invested $38 million in over 50 companies so far. I'm Shiel Manat. Shiel has sold three startups for over $50 million. Now he's an angel investor, and he's backed several companies worth billions today. I'm Charles Hudson. Charles started Precursor Ventures, where he's invested $45 million in over 100 startups to date. All right, on with the pitch. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I am Tiffany Dufu. My life's work is advancing women and girls, and that's why I feel really lucky to be founder and CEO of The Crew. How many of you have ever had a goal that you fully intended to achieve, but you didn't? Everybody? Okay. Well, I have good news for you. It turns out that you're not alone. It's because sometimes this thing called life gets in the way. And this is particularly true for really busy working women who are often juggling the demands of their careers, of life. Now, how many of you know what the most powerful lever is that you could pull if you actually want to achieve a goal? Yes, Charles. A support system. Ah, it's called The Crew. That was a very the big hit. <laughs> uh. Yes, yes. It's accountability <laughs> to other people. Tiffany believes that all you really need is a little help from your friends. They can give you encouragement when you're feeling down or just a regular reminder to stay with it. That's been her experience her whole career. And she wanted to see if she could build a business around it. So she made a video and put it out in the world. If you have people in your life who rely on you, but now you need a group of people that you can rely on, I want you to go to www.findyourcrew.com. 
and welcome to the crew. That's all we did. And that's how we generated hundreds of applications. We currently have 800 women on our waiting list. And I am here to invite one of you to participate in a 1 million pre-seed round that's already oversubscribed. And I'm really happy to announce that. Congrats. Cool. Thank Congrats you. On, yeah. Um, what do you get by being in the crew? Ah, so you get a badass group of women who are going to help you to achieve your goals. The way that the crew works is that you apply to become a member of the crew, and our algorithm matches you with nine other women in your city. The 10 of you then become a crew, and you collaborate to meet your life goals together, both online and in person. How do you do the matching? So we have two parts of the process. The first is a matchability screening. So we need to first determine, is she matchable to begin with? What does that mean you're matchable? There are a couple of core questions that we're asking with the screening. One is, do the goals that she has and the barriers that she cites, are they within the scope of the crew? Every once in a while, someone will apply to the crew and will say, well, what are your goals? And she'll say something like, well, I need to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright and fall in love and get married. Um, and we would argue that, you know, there might be other places where you could go in order <laughs> you know, to achieve that. Um, and then when it's time to actually do the matching, we're matching women who are at the same level professionally in their lives. So we really are looking for peers, not mentors, and who have a really robust set of diverse factors um, going on. So women from different industries, women with different family configurations, and we look at race, ethnicity, but it's really important. One of the most highest values of the crew for our members right now is I wouldn't have ever met a group of women like this if I have left it up to my social group or just my job or my career. Before someone pays the $4.99 it takes to get into a crew for a year, first they go online, fill out their profile, answer some questions about why they're there and what goals they hope to achieve. Then Tiffany plays matchmaker, carefully curating each group of 10 women. Once we do that, they get an email that says, we found your crew. Uh, if you want to join, click here. You're going to pay the $4.99. And then we give them the date where they're going to meet the other members of their crew. What are, what are the goals that people are, are trying to reach? Oh, so many. I want to get a mentor this year. I want to ask for a promotion this year. I want to get 500 more Instagram followers this year. I want to spend more time with my kids. I need to lose 10 pounds. Uh, two of the members needed to file for divorce this year. They run the gamut. Just How a you... clarifying question. Is there a facilitator at all in each crew, or is it all just peer mentorship? We do have a role. We call them a crew guide. They are not a facilitator of the crew. They're more of a customer service representative. Um, but we do have organizing principles of the crew. We provide a framework and structure, but each crew is self-organizing. What do you think is the balance between personal and professional development for sort of the target crew member? Right now, it's about 50-50. Um, the average age of an applicant was 39. So uh, they're largely Gen X women. They've, they're very accomplished, but they are now taking care of more people at home and more people at work, and they've kind of lost track of themselves. So what have you learned in those first early um, adopters? Yes. Yeah, so if you look at the women who have made the most progress, those are the same ones who have attended all of their gatherings. They're the same ones who cite that I connected with a crew member in between uh, and that they've been engaging with them on some other messaging platform. So what happened was that when we introduced the crews to one another, they all hopped on something. WhatsApp, 
Facebook, some of them are on Slack, and we didn't build messaging into the first platform, but we want to integrate that experience to make it more seamless for them and to support them. What are the barriers these days to get an individual to sort of find another messaging app, right, and have another place to have different conversations with a different subset of people? So the I mean, what you're implying is the reason why I didn't build messaging, okay? And Porter Bain, our CTO, will say, I told you so. When he first suggested that we build messaging, I said, that's silly. I said, these women are really busy, Porter. They really don't have time to be talking to one another constantly. I was totally wrong about that, David. The first thing that they wanted to do was talk to one another. Women want to communicate uh, with each other. And I feel like for this platform specifically, that we need to build it and that it's going to be really important. I'm having a hard time thinking through other companies in a similar space. Like, what else do you consider in your peer set of companies? Actually, Shield, there are a lot of underground groups, um, but mostly at the high level where they charge, let's say, $100,000 a okay. year yeah. for an exec. For and then there are like yeah, that's true. a thousand people in it and it's yeah. secret and, you know, nobody's heard of it. But I am kind of curious, what does that look like at the mid-tier, for example? Yeah. So um, I feel like the, you know, right now is a really amazing moment for women. There's a lot of um, organizations and groups and products um, being directed towards professional women, actually. And so at my um, women's angel breakfast, um, I think one of your investors uh, told us about your uh, your company and pe- we had a, a lively discussion. And, you know, are people part of multiple products, would you say? Or um, what's your differentiation in, in this kind of excitingly crowded uh, space right now? Yes. So. As you can imagine, I don't perceive half the population um, as being one tiny demographic. I think there's lots of room for all of the players. There are three things that are happening right now that are fueling, I think, the success of the crew. One of them is what you mentioned, this kind of rise in women's consciousness and empowerment. The second, though, is this racial demographic shift in our country. 52% of the women who applied to the crew were women of color. And so one of the kind of aspects of the crew that people really love and appreciate is the texture and the robustness of the diversity of the crew. The third, though, is this backlash against social media. So I do see the crew as, in in a lot of ways, the future of social networking. One day you'll be at a cocktail party and someone will say, how do you know this person? And they'll say, well, she's in my crew. And people will know what that is. Tiffany, where do you see this product or this, this company going in the next, say, five years? So Right now you have 100 crew members, but where do you see this going? So five years from now, we're at 200,000 members. Okay. Um, So that gets us to, you know, 100 million. But what's happening is that companies are reaching out. We're already starting to partner with companies who want to leverage the crew to retain and advance the women that are in their ranks. So we're doing two models. Um, One of them is where we curate crews inside of a company. I'm really fascinated to see how that can potentially work. The other is a company essentially gifting a crew membership, almost like a gym membership. We've brought on Morgan Stanley and Disney as our founding partners. Um, And we charge more for that experience. It's $1,800. Makes sense. And what are the terms of this raise? It's a one million raise. It's four million cap, twenty percent discount, and that's post money. It's a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the investors have a decent grasp on the fundamentals of this business, but now onto a bigger question: What's to keep someone from signing up for the crew, meeting their nine crewmates, and then when a year goes by, it's time to pay the five hundred bucks again? They just bail. 
if somebody's already in a crew, so this is a crew of ten women, right? Yeah. Um, and they're they want to those ten women like each other want to continue on. Why would they Why would they pay again the next year? Part of the reason why they want to continue is one, all of their data and all of their engagement with one another is on lives on our platform. The second is that the women are also very interested not just in the women who are in their crew, but the other members of the constellation. We call ourselves a constellation of women. So our hypothesis is that if the crew is actually helping you to move your life forward, you'll want to renew your membership in the crew. So we've got a group of women who are about 10 months into their crew journey. We've already sent out a survey to ask them their propensity to renew. Half of them have responded. 73% of them say, I want to renew my membership in the crew. Do you have a strategy to overcome that potentially in the future where there's a barrier to getting a $500 fee upfront, a freemium model or any kind of trial or exposure to the platform? So for the first year that you join the crew, the $4.99 is actually important, not just for our business purposes, but for the culture of the crew. So when the women meet one another, one of the things that they say is, I'm really happy that everyone paid $4.99. Okay? Yeah. That's the only way that we can deliver on the brand promise that we're matching you with a group of women that are committed. Now, in terms of renewals, I can see a future in which it's a monthly payment. We can be more flexible. But I think to start... Everyone's got to pay that $4.99 up front. Tiffany sees more positives than negatives in her $500 price tag, but it hasn't even been a year. So we don't know if people like it enough to justify another $500. Or they might just keep on meeting with their crew, but stop paying Tiffany. And this is the giant gaping hole investors see in this business. We'll see where they all land on the issue after the break. Support for this show comes from Indeed. Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. Jackie is professional yet relaxed, punctual, friendly, meets deadlines, and just makes your job easier overall. But the search for Jackie can be long and tedious, especially when you have so many other things on your plate. Indeed wants to help you find your next Jackie. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. They leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. So their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. That means they can better connect you with your Jackie. And listeners of this show can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. The investor's big concern is whether or not members of the crew will renew their membership after their first year. And after taking some time to think on it, they're ready to decide. Here's David. This one was really tough for me. Um, I think the mission is great. It's timely. I do have some concerns, though. Um, one is around pricing and retention. I think to really scale that, 
um, could be difficult. I think there's a good business year. My question is whether there's a, a great, huge, multi-hundred million dollar business year. And I do worry about competition, maybe not direct competition, but everything from traditional offline groups to the new physical spaces to the more direct competitors. Um, I think there's a lot of alternatives here. And my concern is that you are delivering a ton of value on day one with the matching, but then it diminishes a bit post that. And I worry about some folks going off platform. So I'm going to pass. Thank you. So I have a couple of thoughts. One on from a mission perspective, I I love what you're doing and you are clearly the right person to be doing this. So I absolutely love that. I have a lot of friends who try to ad hoc, you know, kind of put together crews. And so I think this is actually amazing and very needed. Um, and then from a monetization aspect, I actually, I really love this because you are getting people to pay to be in your audience. Most people have to first be in an audience and then you try to monetize them. I, I think it's great that you're charging $4.99 and you can, I can see so many ways you can upsell these people if you can retain them over the years. So uh, I'm in for 25K. Awesome, thank you. She's first. <laughs> <laughs> so for on my end, um, I, I agree with Elizabeth. Actually, it's an interesting, it's such an interesting space, one that I have not thought about it at all. I think it's just so far off of from anything I've thought of. So I wish you the best. It's just it's not a not a fit for me. Thank you, Shu. So I've liked the business since I first heard about it. I wish I'd been part of that first wave, but as you and I discussed, timing wasn't ideal. But would like to find a way to at least be a part of the crew, no pun intended. If there's room for us, we'd love to find a way to maybe do something small like ten or fifteen K out of the fund. Thanks, Charles. Um I love how mission-driven you are, and you are the perfect person to be building this company, and, and that's super important to me as an investor. Um, I love that you're going after a different demographic. I think that women in that middle management um, stage of their careers and, and their life are actually um, not being served, and I think that's you know a massive audience if you can capture it. Um, so with that, I'm in for 25K. Oh, wow. In order to prepare for this fundraising process, I binge listened to an entire season <laughs> of The Pitch. Um, and it's part of the reason why I'm here and I feel like I've been really successful. I don't know if you guys know the statistics, but last year, Digital Undivided produced a report called Project Diane. And out of all the venture capital that was raised from 20, 2009 until that year, only 0.006% of it went to Black female founders. The fact that I'm standing you here in front of you as a Black female founder that's raised a million dollars is actually pretty historic. And I just want to express gratitude to all of you. And I want to say, if there are any other women out there trying to raise money, that you can do it. Love it. Yeah, right on. I love right it on. so much. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Tiffany. Thanks. Tiffany takes off with commitments from three of the five investors. As I stepped in the room to find out what exactly made this business so appealing, even Sheil, who didn't invest, started gushing. She's such a force She's of nature. Impressive. She's like a really, such an impressive person. I kind of hope she doesn't raise more money. I hope she just like that's raises That's kind of this. what I was Yeah, feeling. I don't think that's why I, I, Yeah, that's why I was asking. I can asking. even see her crowdfunding the next round. Yeah. She'll have enough people in the crew that could 
put money in. Right, exactly. They could be her investors. Yeah. But um, I agree with your concerns. I mean, like the renewal thing is what part of what scared me. Yeah. I think they need actually to raise money and go real deep into product and be really thoughtful about. I I I think this is a branding and community thing. Yeah, I do. I agree. I don't. I, I just feel like if product. she raises money, the investors are going to push her to like open, uh, you know, real estate, and I just feel like this yeah. could go. What yeah. I love about it is the simplicity of actually not having a physical anything, right? Just yeah. a simple yeah. platform. But then, like thinking about the exit strategy down the road, what does that look like for a business like this? I guess I never worry about that, honestly. I'm yeah, always like, if either. it's a good business, you'll have lots of opportunity. Like, it's more important to build a really good business yeah. that has the ability to remain independent until something else yeah. happens than it is. To, I, every time I've tried to forecast, oh, so-and-so company will pick this up, I'm, like, wrong 100% of the time. I would yeah. say the reason I think about it is not because, like, necessarily who is going to acquire it, but, like, what is the exit multiple on this kind of business? Right. And that's what I worry about here is that the exit multiple on – this business is probably not very high. Well, I have Actually, the I would have the opposite because you can okay. upsell her, these women on exactly. so many things. Yeah. She gets to yeah. cash flow positive so quickly and she decides how she wants to it's, run this business. It's and, also not about the membership fees. Like basically she uses the membership fees to pay for her customer acquisition and break even. Then she's just amassing an audience that she can upsell all kinds of stuff to. Like that's exactly what yeah. the hustle does. I mean, she's very authentic and energetic. So I think even if she doesn't get it quite right initially, like she will be able to find other people to beta test with and try some other things. And that really is the bet. Like Yeah, you're betting on her. Uh, betting on her and the concept as well. Like this is mm-hmm. a huge market, you know, for this group of women, like women who make a lot of money. Uh, I mean, that's a demographic that lots of people are very interested in. When we come back, why Tiffany thought the investments from Elizabeth, Jenny, and Charles might not be such a great thing after all. That guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him. The sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield. So he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Welcome back. We caught up with Tiffany almost five months after her pitch, and she told us how she was feeling right after she walked out of the room. I felt a tremendous sense of exhilaration. Just, oh, wow, you know, it's it's actually happening. You know, three of them said yes. But to be honest, I also felt a little bit of sense of fear. Because I had some sense of Charles, but I didn't know Elizabeth. I didn't know Jenny. And so my first thought was, what have you done? You know, you haven't spent any time getting to know these people. So then how did you figure out if you really wanted to take their money? I did what I always do. I ask my crew. (laughs) I ask my network. Yeah, that's the first thing I do. So I sent off emails to some of the other investors to say, hey, do you know, have you ever heard of Jenny Fielding? Do you know her? Do you know Elizabeth? And I got back a resounding, yes, we know them. This is amazing. So did each of them follow through and actually invest? 
Yes, and more. So Charles did come in at 10. Elizabeth came in at 25. Jenny uh-huh. came back to me and said, I want 50. Awesome. Wow. So you got, uh, let me do the math there. That's like 80, that's 85K. Yeah. So it took us over. You know, the goal was a million and we were at a million 60,000. Are you glad you took their money? I'm so happy. <laughs> Tiffany's happy because Charles, Jenny, and Elizabeth have added more to the business than just money. Elizabeth dove into the marketing strategy. Charles introduced her to another crew, the other founders in his portfolio. And Jenny actually suggested a change to the business that Tiffany loves to use her existing crews to screen the next round of applicants instead of Tiffany having to do it all herself. All right, so um, you did say in your pitch that you had binged a bunch of episodes of of this show before you started fundraising, and you credited this show as one of the things that led to your successful fundraise. So I'm really curious, after binging the show, like, what, what did you learn? So I have to be honest, I was really shocked in listening to so many episodes that whether or not someone liked you mattered so much. You know, you, you it's like you listen to episode after episode in which afterward somebody says, you know, I really like her. <laughs> yeah. I really liked him. And you're like, wow, this is a very subjective process. Like, I'm used to being in, like, very formal organizations where, you know, like, you could get sued for, like, <laughs> suggesting that just because you like someone, you know, you could, like, invest in them. So I thought, wow, okay. So basically, I got to make these people like me. This is really, this is kind of a storyteller's game here. It is a storyteller's game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really is. So really the secret, I think, is trying to create an experience, an environment in the room where you can get people to say what you need to hear and not just what you want to hear. You getting the investors to say what you want them to say. What you as the founder need to hear and not what you want to hear. So you have to create a scenario in which they actually believe that them being honest with you and them giving you honest feedback and advice, that you're going to do something meaningful with it, that you're actually inviting it, that you want it, and that you're not going to have some emotional explosion, you know, or response to it (laughs) that's going to make them regret that they gave it to you. So it's about creating, I think what you're saying is like creating an environment where like you're open to their feedback and they know it. And they know it. You know, I'm, I, I, I'm just realizing right now that I don't think that we've ever had three people commit in the room and then all three of them follow through after the fact. Like, that doesn't happen. It's very rare. I can tell you from listening to a lot of episodes. But you pulled it off. Mm, Yes, but we have some people in the world have to pull off a lot of things. I mean, I can't remember on the show if I mentioned the statistic from Digital Undivided, but mm-hmm. since 2009. 0.006%? Yeah. Yeah. Of all venture funding. So this is all, this is about defying the odds uh, and about understanding that we're not defying those odds by ourselves. There's a lot of people. Mm-hmm you know, holding us up. And there are a lot of people who, quite frankly, in my case, have already paid the price for my success. 
pay the price for your success. Yes. What do you mean? Oh, I just come from, I'm very clear about my heritage. Uh, I'm African-American. Um, there are many people who already worked so hard and were never compensated. And and mm -hmm. and I am their hope. Like, I'm their wildest imagination. And so, you know, my success has already been paid for with their blood and with their sweat and, and with the flesh that flew off their backs, Josh. You know, I'm here for a reason. Uh, and so I'm really proud of where I am. I'm really proud of the sacrifices that people have made in order for me to be here. And I don't take it lightly. No, and none of us should. I just got chills there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do you feel lucky? I feel blessed for sure, for sure. You know, sometimes the VC world sucks. And then other times, it doesn't suck at all. In this case, everything worked out. But the way Tiffany talks about it, it seems less a game of chance and more like destiny. Hey, thank you so much for listening. We're gonna be taking a break during the holidays, but we will be back with a bang in the new year. Our first episode will drop on Wednesday, January 8th. So mark your calendars. It's gearing up to be a fun one. See you in 2020. The Pitch is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Kareem Maddox and Heather Rogers, we are edited by Sarah Saracen and Blythe Terrell. Theme music by The Musemaker, original compositions from Breakmaster Cylinder, Peter Leonard, The Musemaker, and Benart. We are mixed by Enoch Kim. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch. And here's a quick disclaimer, no offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. You can follow the pitch on Spotify and listen for free or find new episodes wherever you listen. Thanks so much for listening. See you in the new year.